Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Welcome to the Master Mix Podcast. My name is Mike Navina, and thank you so much for listening today. Today, my guest is Stephen Gillis, who, if you're not familiar with Stephen, Stephen started as a session musician playing for bands like Filter. He even played with people like Chuck Berry. Like The guy is an amazingly talented musician, great drummer, and eventually got into the studio world. And in this conversation today, we have a great chat all about serving the song. And this is something that we've definitely touched on in a lot of episodes, but I think Steven offers a really cool perspective on it and just the ways that he works on these songs before he even starts recording to make sure that the recording process is a breeze, he knows what he wants to do with it, and he also has a really fresh take on just making sure that every move, whether it's in the recording stage, editing stage, or mixing stage, it all comes back down to the song and he has purposely designed his workflow to be a certain way so that he can ultimately make every song sound unique. So once you hear what he does and hear him explain his process, I think it'll all make a lot of sense. We also get into some really cool techniques that he likes to use, especially around the topic of reamping. And he talks about reamping instruments other than guitar. Guitar is definitely one of the main things that most people think of when they think of reamping. But he gets into the discussion of reamping other instruments, and I think it's a really cool topic. So you're definitely going to want to listen for that. All right, so let's not waste any more time with this. Let's just jump right into the episode. Stephen Gillis, thank you so much for being on the Master Mix Podcast. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Happy awesome. to be here. Awesome, thank you. For people who might not know your story and who might not be familiar with like what you do and, and everything that you're involved with in the music industry, can you give us a little bit of that quick background? Sure thing. So, um, I, so I've been, uh, you know, my 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 job that I've had my whole life is I've been a, a drummer. I've been a freelance drummer, musician. Um, so I, you know, went to Berkeley college of music and then I was just playing gigs, touring, playing on records and stuff like that for quite a while. Um, you know, freelancing, um, playing with many bands and a lot of gigs every year. Um, and then I, um, started getting into recording. I, I played with some bands that people have heard of filter. I played with Chuck Berry, I played with, uh, you know, a bunch of people. My bio's on the website if anybody's interested. Those but. are some good names to play with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but, um, but yeah, but so, but, but I'm, I'm just a freelance working musician. You know, that's, that's been my life. So that's always, you know, what I've wanted to do. And then about 25 years or so ago, I, you know, maybe 20 years ago, I started getting more serious about the recording thing and I built like a little home studio had that for a couple years and then the, you know it kind of blossomed quickly after that and then um me and my um uh, business partner Vijay Telesnayak who's also a fantastic piano player um keyboard player uh, is working musician himself um uh we teamed up and started doing productions together um first out of our home studios and um, this is kind of like right when you could start doing that, when computers sort of like were, got to a point where you could start doing that. Um, and then we uh, decided to go all in and build Transient Sound. And we've been here for, you know, 15 years now or so. And um, we 
do all styles of music here. I produce artists. I just engineer. I play on records. Vijay does the same thing. Uh, we mix it up. We do everything from classical recordings to punk rock to metal to, you know, big band jazz groups to, you know, all acoustic stuff, uh, you know, um, gospel music, um, you know, choirs. I mean, it's it's a it's a real mix here. It really is, which is which makes it a lot of fun for us. So we do re- literally all styles of music here. So. That that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think when you're working with lots of different styles, it, it's you're not going to get bored. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And 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 you know, and, and being a, it kind of that's how it's been for Vijayanized musicians too. Um, you know, we we play all styles of music, and you know, in different gigs we get called for. You know, it's maybe it's a jazz gig, or maybe this is a, a like a, a rock gig, or maybe this is a like an R and B thing, or a blues gig, or you know, it's it's just it's just a mix. You know, so and that kind of that kind of you know, and it, 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 that's how the studio ended up being the way it is as well. Cause we're not pigeonholing ourselves into one thing. I mean, I, I personally would just be bored if I was doing one thing all the time. Um, I like, I like having, you know, I just did naked ray guns last record. And then I just did a classical solo cello record <laughs> like the other day. And I'm working on a singer songwriter right now. And, um, we have a gospel artist in the, in the other room that the Jay's working on that has, you know, full rhythm section and strings and this beautiful string arrangement on there and so on and so forth. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's nice to, to be able to mix it up like that. So that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting cause I feel like most people these days tend to really niche down on a specific genre and they're kind of known for being good at that one thing. Right. And it's like, they only want to attract those kind of people. So I was actually really curious to know about that. And like, you know, why is it that you chose to have such a diverse clientele? Was it just because you felt that that allowed the studio to stay open easier? Or was it that like you just wanted to legitimately just work on a bunch of different stuff? I just think that we really love music and we love creating art and we love um, working with talented um, instrumentalists, songwriters and singers. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of as simple as that. I mean, it, it, you know, when you're a free, freelance musician, when you're, you know, like a working musician, it's really hard to just play like one style and make a living doing that unless you're touring at a really high level. Um, but even those guys, you know, the, the freelance guys, they can play any style. And that just like, you know, that, that, that just like, that's kind of how the studio started operating as well. Um, you know, like all a lot of musicians in Chicago, you know, we work with, you know, on gigs and stuff and and playing and they, they come here and they, I mean, it's just, we are definitely known for being able to do a diverse, uh, you know, a a wide breadth of, of, of styles here. And, uh, it just, to me, it's just kind of, it wasn't a planned thing. It just sort of happened that way. And I'm, I'm grateful that it, that it happened, you know, that it's continued on like that because I just, I really do like the, the, just having something different all the time in here, you know, so. That's awesome. And I bet you that it, it really helps sharpen your engineering skills because it's forcing you to work on things that you've never worked on before or just having that diversity and being able to adapt to different sort of situations. It, I'm sure it has an impact on that, right? Absolutely. You're going to, you're going to record, you know, you, you know, if I'm producing a, 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 like a rock band or a metal band or whatever, I'm going to, re- I'm going to have a certain sonic, uh, impression in my mind that I want to realize, you know, but if I'm 
you know, recording a string quartet for a classical record, it's completely different than that, you know? Um, and I think understanding how those disciplines are, are different and yet are also similar in ways, uh, is, is kind of a fun and cool thing to, uh, I don't know, spend time doing for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm curious to know, like, cause I, you know, you could focus on one genre and we see this all the time. People just focus on that one genre and there's certainly a lot that you can learn even in just one genre on its own, right? Like, let's say you're in like the metal world or whatever. Like there's a lot of different trends happening. There's a lot of different technology happening. So how do you find, like, what's the process like for you to keep on top of those musical trends and all of these different genres? I don't know. I just think being immersed in music like 24 seven, 365, like my whole life, I think that keeps me exposed. Um, and that's, but I do think, think cer there's certain fundamental things like that kind of never change, you know, like, I mean, recording drums, I don't think is some huge mystery. I, I really don't. I mean, you have a really good drummer, you get the drum sounding great on the floor and then you, you know, select microphones that are going to, capture those drums in the way that you're hoping for them to sort of, um, uh, you know, in the, in the best possible light for that recording. And then knowing that you can manipulate just about anything post, um, you know, you can, uh, you know, you get this incredible acoustic sounding drum set and then you can completely, you know, tear it apart and, 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 you know, uh, you know, sonically you can completely, you know, do something completely different. So, but I think the source and starting a certain way, I think is, is kind of universal. Um, well, that's, that's an so. interesting point that you just brought up. You, you had mentioned the idea of, you know, you can manipulate any sound in post. And I know that there's some people use that as like, actually like a crutch to some degree, right? Where it's like, they don't worry about getting great tones at the beginning because they're like, yeah, I can just mess with it later. I can add samples later. Um, so, so there are a lot of people that look at like this digital technology as like, oh, I can do whatever after the fact, I don't have to get it right at the source. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, you know, what's, what's your process look like? Like I'm assuming, I mean, you're a pro at this, so I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're getting amazing tones right at the source, right? Yeah. I think that, I think that you gotta, you know, I think it's, I, I always like when I'm producing, a, a you know, uh, uh, an artist or whatever, I tell them, you know, it's like, we got to go through the alphabet. We got to go from point A to point B to C to D to E all the way down the road and we can't skip a step. And so we, you know, you got to kind of try to do it the best you can at every step. So, I mean, if, yeah, if, if I'm not happy with the, how the drums are sounding, you know, like the way they're tuned or, or, you know, there's weird, I mean, that's what I'm recording then. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I want to try to get it correct, you know, like where it's feeling right, where it's, you know, and, there's that there's the sonic thing. And then there's also more importantly than the sonic thing is the performance and the parts and the arrangement and the song and the, and the, um, you know, the, the you know, getting that performance captured, you know, to me is that, you know, that that's above, I don't want to say the word Trump, but it's above the word it's, it's above the sonic picture, you know? So, Sonic picture is super important, but if something lives on top of that, it's the song, the performance, and the music itself. I mean, there's a, many, 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 many great songs that we know and love that don't sound great, but we don't care because we love the song and we love the performance, you know? So while you want to do everything you can, um, you know, to, to capture that sound um, as best as you can, I think 
having that be the most important thing above the performance and the song and the arrangement and all that. And, and, you know, the artist, the comfort level of the artist when they're trying to perform, I think, you know, you got to prioritize, I think a little bit, but they're, they're very even, but you got to prioritize a little bit. Of course. Of course. So I I would assume then having you, having heard you say that, that pre-production probably plays a big role in the in the productions you work on, right? Absolutely. And so when I'm, when I'm producing, yeah, we, we get together, we deal with the arrangements, we figure out the right key for the singer. Um, we figure out the, make sure the tempos are, 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 you know, where, where the vocals lying in the best spot. Um, you know, this is if they want to do that. Some, some, some bands I work with, you know, are, are essentially self-producing and I'm just, you know, trying to capture and, 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 you know, be creative on the sonic end to the best of my ability. But, but everything that I produce, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in there on, on the song level. I mean, I'll, I'll beat the rehearsal space with them before we start working, you know? Um, so, you know, to work, what are, what are we actually going to record here? You know, why are we using this batch of songs? You know, what about this one? You guys forgot about that song. And then they say, well, yeah, I I did forget about that one. That's a great song. And then, so we deal with that. Yeah, that's cool. So what does that pre-production stage normally look like for you when you have that ability to do it? Like what, what are you, cause, cause like you said, like the song trumps the, the, the technical side of it when it comes to the recording. So I'm assuming you know, you can't just throw everything at it in, in the pre-production stage and like, you know, have a song that's just layers upon layers. Like you're probably stripping things back. Like that's at least that's what I'm assuming you're doing in the pre-production stage, right? Well, in the pre-production phase, I think the most important thing is, is, is to number one is like, let's choose the best songs that, that they, that they have. And just, you know, and discuss these songs, you know, like, um, if, if they want me, as involved as a producer, you know, then I'll, I'll give my opinion and then we'll discuss that as a group, you know? Um, and, uh, and then, so we'll decide, you know, on this batch of tunes and, you know, be able to, um, sort of justify why we want to record these tunes and then we'll go into each tune and we will deal with the arrangements. We'll deal with a lot of times arrangements can be, can be buttoned up pretty easily. Um, there's, there's some very common sort of, um, uh, um, practices that occur um, with with songwriters and stuff that I think can be shored up arrangement wise, um, and then they nine times out of ten are like, "Wow, yeah, that's I like that better like that." Um, so we'll do that, and then we'll figure out, you know, is this the right tempo? This feels too fast. Like maybe it should be a little bit slower. I can tell, like you're, you know, if if, if this is the vocal we're going with, if this is if these are the lyrics, and this is you know how you are going to um, lay this down. It's, it's too fast. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm losing stuff there. So we'll, we'll go through all that. Um, and then, uh, sort of discuss instrumentation. Um, you know, Oh, this tune. Yeah. Maybe we should, we should add strings on this, or maybe we should add horns, or maybe we should do some programming on this one. Or, um, you know, maybe we should on this, on these tunes, we should program the drums first, do the cut the entire tune and do drums last. Or maybe this this band we need you know you guys we should just get a real live feel on the floor um, for for our rhythm section in a more traditional manner. It just it really honestly is, is it could be any there's a million different ways to do it and it just depends on the artist depends on the songs it depends on the you know uh, what what they're trying to achieve you know. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah, you're really just kind of creating that vision for what the rest of the process is going to look like and yeah. sound like, right? Yeah. In a way, and and it, and it and it does ebb and flow throughout the process. So it's it's hard to kind of like sometimes I'm asked, well, okay, so how is this exactly going to go down? And I and I have to say honestly, well, I'm not even sure. <laughs> we, we have to get going, you know. Like like it's I'm not quite sure how it's going to unfold yet, you know. Um, so but it'll get done, you know. We just got to plug away at it. So yeah. Yeah. You'd mentioned a couple seconds ago about, um, you know, there's some ways to tighten up songs. And I think you, you said like button them up. Right. So like, what are some of those common, I guess maybe they're, maybe they're not necessarily mistakes, but things that people overlook, like what are those common things that you typically find yourself condensing down in that pre-production stage? Well, it depends on the song. So if, if they want, if they want sort of a, a like, you know, it depends on what they're trying to do with the song. Some songs are meant to be drawn out. They're meant to be more expansive. They're meant to, you know, like there's maybe there's a, you know, a 32 bar instrumental section in the middle of the song. That's, that's all well and good when, if that's what that song is meant to be. But some, sometimes, you know, it's like that mentality is dropped onto a song that really should be three minutes long. I mean, I always think of like the Beatles. I always think of like, you know, like, like the Ramones, you know, I think of, uh, you know, like, like how can the, like a band do so much and so little, like, let's, let's try to make this a little bit more efficient because that's the type of song this is, you know, like, let's, let's get, let's get it going, you know, and let's, let's, let's rein that listener in, you know, um, it's not appropriate for every song, but for some songs it is. And, you know, there's like, sometimes you just, when you want to start like, bam, like bar one with the, with the verse, you know, and not have an introduction, you know, um, you know, um, you know, certain tricks I think are like, you know, a lot of times a, a songwriter will, you know, if they're working the tune out on their guitar, they're, you know, kind of getting this habit of like, you know, on the downbeat they're you know, let's say they hit the chorus and they're, they play the first chord of the chorus and they're kind of delay the vocal because they're, they're getting their key center from hearing that first chord. And I think about all the songs where, you know, like maybe there's a singer in a band that doesn't play an instrument and that lead vocal leads the band into the chorus. And I think of how epic those songs are. Um, so sometimes it's like, well, what, what, what if we shifted this melody over, you know, and, 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 and you led the band in and, you know, the band would, you know, like you were the leader of the band on the chorus here, as opposed to the band dictating, you know, what's going on there. So there's just little things like that. And I think sometimes they can be helpful, you know, yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of people make suggestions about pre-production on this podcast and, and no one's ever mentioned that about like the leading with the vocal thing. Um, but I think it is such it's such a efficient thing or effective thing to to try. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like with pre-production, you kind of have to try it all to see what actually makes the best song. Right. I mean, there's no rule. There are no rules. There's no one thing is better than the other. It just is a case by case basis. And opinions. Everybody has a different opinion. So, you know, what my opinion is, you know, you know, an artist I'm working with may love that opinion or they may not. And then we kind of go from there, you know, so it's there's no right or wrong. It's just it's just kind of like su their suggestions. And it's like, you know, how can we how can we ch put this in the best possible light? How can we, you know, have this band and this song and your vocal in the best possible light? So absolutely. So then in your opinion, what makes a great song? I don't know. I just feel like I want to be emotionally brought into it, you know, but you know, some songs are not supposed to be like, some songs are just like, you know, um, 
you know, just like, like candy, you know, like something to be consumed quickly and, and then kind of tossed away later. But the songs that I'm attracted to are songs that are going to live on, live on, live on, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, what I'm interested in a lot of times, you know, I, I, I like it, even with my production, you know, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to, you know, the, use the latest like bleeps and blops from the computer, you know, within my production, knowing that in a year it's going to be corny, you know, um, I, I'd rather just do things more like in a way that are, um, that will date things less, you know, I'm not sure I always achieve that, but I do, I do consciously think of that, you know, like, like how do we make this be cool in 15 years, you know, and, and, and last, you know, why, why are, why are these Beatles records or Zeppelin or, you know, like, like Sam Cooke or, you know, like, I mean, I can go on and on and on, you know, why are these records still cool? You know? Um, and because there's classic elements to them, um, that they're not, um, they're focused more on the song, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, you know, as opposed to trick, the trickiness of the arrangement, the trickiness of the programming, which there's a huge art in that. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but for me, you know, I, like, you know, um, there's a band I just did uh, nasty snacks or like a horn band, R and B band. And, you know, these guys are all amazing players. Um, and, um, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you know, they roll in, they're all set up. We work the arrangement out, bam, 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 right there on the floor. And then, uh, you know, and, and to me, it's just kind of like, you know, you can't go wrong. Great players, great song, great songs, classic sort of, um, sounds to me, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that I like, or, you know, recording it, you know, if you're recording a jazz group, I mean, that's, you're just trying to take the most in focus picture at that point, you know? And uh, and have and have the woodiness of the instruments, and have the the air around the instruments, and have the performances shine through. Um, you're not trying to manipulate too much, you know. Yeah, I love what you said there about just like kind of not really following the modern trends in music, so to speak. You know, there are people that are really, 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 really good at that, and and I think that's amazing. And I'm always knocked out by you know there's certain things, something I'll hear on the radio. I'm like, man, that's that's wow it's really cool i wonder how they did that you know but I, all i can do is just be me and and i'm uh, you know i'm just kind of you know i'm while i'm interested and i'm, I'm not always curious and i always want to learn i always kind of know that you know i gravitate towards the song the lyrics the emotional end of the song the emotional end of the performances you know is it giving me goosebumps you know am i getting excited here about this you know do, do, do i feel like oh, you know that that's all I can go on, you know, whether, whether I do anything good or not, I have no idea, but it's, that's all I can do is just go from that, that feeling, you know? So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Cause I, I do think that there's, especially in pop music, I hear this all the time where it's like some song blows up and there's like some weird vocal effect or something like that in there. And then like inevitably three months later, every song has that vocal effect in there. And it's just like, so done, overdone like after after a little bit of time and you're like okay that's that that was just like the trend of the of the quarter you know and and you seem to it seems like a lot of that kind of pops up a lot but at the end of the day it's like like you said those songs like the sam cooks and and the beatles and whoever like the reason why those songs sound good is just because at the heart of the songs they were just a good song they didn't rely on production techniques to make them sound fancy or trendy or whatever it's like you know they they just were what they were 
Um, I was recently interviewing Matt Wallace. I'm not sure if you, if you know Matt, but Matt did like Faith No More and Room Five and all that. Um, and he was telling me he's like his his approach is like we can produce a shit out of these songs, but at the end of the day, like he he has everyone just play the song on an acoustic guitar, and if it sounds good like that, then it then it's a good song. You know, that's his gauge for it. Hundred percent. I I say the same thing every time. We need to be able to sit at the piano or bust out the acoustic guitar and play this song and have and have it be captivating. If if we're you know if it's you know it, the, I think the trend lately has has been for some pop songs to be two and three chords through the entire song, just like with breakdowns, <laughs> like like, like remix style, and that cool too. You know, like it's cool. It, it's fine. I'm not criticizing, but I'm saying that's an interesting trend because, you know, if you, if you, if you look back, like, you know, through, through the history of music, you know, like if you think back to, you know, like standard tunes, like Rodgers and Hammerstein, uh, songs, I mean, there, you know, we're talking about complex chord changes, um, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's kind of like the way it's morphed through time. I'm not saying that you need to have complex chord changes to have a good song, but I, I do think that, you know, it would be nice maybe sometimes if, you know, the verse changes and the chorus changes were different, you know, that might be kind of cool, you know, or like if you had an actual bridge to the tune, you know, you don't have to, but I, I think musically it's nice to be able to explore, um, you know, I know you can change your vocal melody over these same chords, even though like if it's the same chords over the verses, it is a chorus so through the whole song. I know you can change the vocal melody through that and make it different. That's fine. But you know, I guess maybe we could have chord, you know, different chord changes, unique chord changes for the chorus. You know, most of the time that that that's how it is for the stuff that I work on. But every once in a while, a very simple three, you know, three chord song is what we you use. And it's and it works great. I just think the trend lately in pop music is is interesting to me because there's a lot of that where the, the ch there are no changes in the song. It's just it's. It's like you hear the verse and that's it. You're, that's the. Rest it's just like of the an song. endless loop. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally find that with a lot of pro pop productions these days. It is really just that loop, and then the bridges tend to be like some featured artist to like basically shake things up a little bit, and you're not hearing the same singer in the same. You know, it's usually the same loop anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like the the music hasn't changed, but but all of a sudden you have this new singer in there that changes things up, and that's like the big thing. But like all the classic songs that that we all know it's like those have had changes those have been exciting you know like there's there is a difference between the verse and the chorus and the bridge and it's it's really taking you on a journey in each part of the song as opposed to just like saying the same and then all of a sudden the bridge is like kind of like almost maybe sometimes a throwaway or something like that i don't know maybe i'm just judging it too harshly but but it just seems like you know there's a little bit of laziness maybe with the musicality sometimes yeah i mean i want to be clear i'm i don't i don't want to sound like i'm criticizing that 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 approach because there is some really incredible creative stuff happening in, in the pop world that i'm just like wow that's really sonically amazing and wow that's great um but for me that the stuff that i spend my time on um I, I i i tend to it's it's more in the vein of what we were just talking about where you know where where i i you know it's so it's not going to feel like a trend, you know, I, I kind of, it, it's hard for me to do those types of productions. Yeah, I agree. And I have, and I have in the past, but it's just, it's not, it's not something where my, my, I don't feel like my heart is there, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I agree. And I, I also want to clarify too, that like, I think there are, like you said, there are a lot of people that are doing 
modern pop music like that, they're doing it very well. And I think it tends to come down to like the vocals and the the execution of the choruses. Like, you know, they'll they'll add lots of layers in the chorus. And and, and a lot of times you don't even realize that you're hearing the same loop over and over again because they've just so masterfully crafted this chorus vocal stack and like you're like wow this sounds different but it's it's the same loop right so i mean people that are doing that it's it's it is an art and uh it's not easy to do that's for sure no absolutely not it's it's incredibly complex and and creative this so so there's no criticism there it's just you know um what i spend my time doing is is a little bit differently different than that you know so yeah. I, I also think too, like when you're when you're a musician, you pay attention to those things a little more than the average listener. You know, like I, I was recently chatting with my wife about like I heard some some like Maroon Five song or something come on, and uh, I was like, man, these guys are so good at making like the same loop makes like go three or four minutes, and it's like amazing, you know. But like it's the same loop, but they've mastered these choruses, and she's like, oh really? Like I I didn't notice. Like it's just a cool song, you know. So so. <laughs> I think that all, that stuff all stems from like house music and techno music and you know like like re, you know like back in the day when you know DJs would do remixes that style kind of I think emanated from there um, and it's now like pop music you know in a way um, and um, you know hip hop is a whole different discussion you know with with how creative that can get you know and, and interesting that can get so but yeah absolutely well it I mean. Based on everything we've talked about so far, and I know that you and I chatted a few days ago when we were we were talking about this idea of like serving the song, like it, it's very clear that when you approach your projects, the song is king, and you are always thinking about what's the best way to serve that song. And we've obviously talked about the writing side of it here, but I'd, I'd also love to get your insight in terms of like serving the song from an engineering standpoint. And when it comes to like mixing and all that stuff, how how would you say you go about serving your songs in, the, in that mixing stage? Well, to me, the, the um, I'm always kind of thinking about mixing the whole time. So, like, I'm thinking about how this song is going to wind up sonically. Um, so, from from when I'm tracking, you know, um, so that's kind of like always in the back of my mind. Um, however, like for instance, like when I'm working on a production, you know, I'm I'm just coming out of stereo pair on the board, and I'm just totally working in the box. I'm just I'm just worried about I'm just you know, spending my time focused on the parts, on the performances, um, you know, how I'm, how I'm recording, certainly if I'm doing guitar overdubs, I'm focused on that. If I'm, you know, tracking bass or if I'm, you know, overdubbing a string section, I'm, I'm just focused on it. It's all totally in the box. However, in the back of my mind, the whole time it's like, I'm going to spit this out on the console eventually. And, you know, I want to feel like when I spit it out on the board, it's, it's like every, every element is like, recorded really well and 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 i and has the the, the feeling that that you know the the, the console isn't going to manipulate it you know like um you know like uh you, you know like they're plugins that can manipulate things much more severely than a console can so you know like the decapitator can can completely you know flip a sound you know inside and out um the the board isn't necessarily going to do that um so I, I'm, I'm thinking in terms, you know, if, if there's a certain effect I'm going for, I try to like think about that ahead of time. Some things I just add like in the spur of the moment when I'm mixing, like I'm, I'm like, oh, this needs this, this needs that. Or I might reamp something. Um, you know, I, I'm, I love reamping. I do a lot of that. Um, and reamping can be on any, any element, you know, it doesn't need to be just guitars. It could, doesn't need to be just bass. It could be, 
you know, anything, a vocal, a, you know, a snare drum, a, you know, you can get, um, gee, who's the, the guy, um, he's in LA, he's like a master reamper. he worked with, um, I won a Grammy with, um, oh, what's the name of that band, female vocalists, they're amazing, um, Andrew Alabama Sh- Shake, okay, yep, uh, I forget the guy's Sheps? name, who, no, 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 there's another, I forget his name, but he's really super creative, really creative I, I love his stuff he did he did a war on drugs record okay um he does a lot of reamping um and um i mean way he's way more involved in that than i am but i i do love to reamp um elements i think that kind of adds a very personal and unique touch as opposed to just slapping plugins on um so i mean yeah it's just you can you can be endlessly creative in the sort of in the mixing and in the sonic manipulation um, aspect of your, of your song, of your mix, you know? So, yeah. I mean, the big Beatles, did it. <laughs> so. that's very cool. No, I, I've, you know, I know a lot of people that do reamping obviously for like guitars, like that's kind of like the go-to thing that most people would use it for. What other, so are you, you said you're, you're like reamping like drums and vocals sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll send a snare drum out to the live room. Um, or I'll send the whole kit out. Um, and I'll record that and manipulate that and bring that back in. Um, sometimes I'll throw a speaker out in the hallway of the building we're in late. I got to do it late at night when nobody else is in the building and I'll send the vocal and I'll throw a microphone, you know, a hundred feet down the, down the hallway and, you know, or 50 feet down and, and snag that. It's kind of cool. I mean, just, just, there might be something like, hey, I want to try this. I want to hear what that sounds like, you know, and I'll, I'll give it a, give it a whirl, you know? Um, you know, cause plugins are super easy. There's, super you can manipulate them they're 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 like right at your fingertips but there's something to be said for for actually manipulating the physical sound itself sometimes um yeah obviously you want to you're going to capture it from the source a certain way um and then what you do beyond that is like you know how much time you want to spend in in your creativity level i guess you know Mm -hmm. so well, I know I know you're a big analog guy, so it kind of makes sense that like you might not rely on the plugins as much when you can have fun playing with the analog stuff and do it do it organically, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's certain plugins that have come come along that are just like I'm like, wow, this is life changing, like Fab Fab Filter and stuff, incredible, you know? I mean, there's so much Decapitator. I mean, come on, it's amazing. Devil Lock's great. How can you survive without Echo Boy anymore? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to it now. Like it's great. It's funny how like you know certain things just become a staple of our sound, right? We find the plugins that we love, and that that, that eventually just becomes our new tool, right? That we use on everything. And um, which brings me to another point. I remember you and I were ch- chatting the other day about how you're not a big fan of using templates when it comes to mixing. And I was wondering if we if you can go into some details about why that is, and and you know we were just talking about using plugins like same plugin over and over again, right? So why not have that in a template? That kind of thing. Well, it's it's an interesting because I actually I'm just I'm mixing right now and 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 um and I I um efficiency wise I was actually been thinking about it recently and just for the routing like getting to the console I am snagging from like a, a template from that just for the routing so I don't have to redo everything from scratch but um but I don't like you know like when I'm working when I'm recording and producing you know, like, and I'm still in the, re- the recording and the editing mode. I'm, there's no like template I'm working from. It's just, I'm just have a session and I'm just kind of, pl- you know, putzing along, you know, with that. But when, you know, but yes, spitting out to the console, um, 
is labor intensive and, and having a more efficient um, way to do that using a template is helpful for, for sure. However, I don't want to just like a, like a, an effects return on a vocal that I used the last session on this new session. That, that seems a little weird to me. I mean, maybe you, you, you'll use some of the same plugins and stuff, but it seems to me like, you know, there should be some unique stuff going on there a little bit. But, you know, it seems to me there's certain things that, that should be, you should spend the time having a, a unique, you know, dragging dragging everything into a, into a, a mixed template that's already there. It works for a lot of people, and there's a lot of people making great records doing that. For me, I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just like, uh, I don't get as excited doing that, you know, I wanted to like kind of like, Oh, you know, like create this from scratch a little bit, you know, but the routing man that, yeah, the routing is. Well, I think that there is definitely like two, two camps when it comes to templates. There's the people who it's like, just get up and running quickly. Like you said, where you've got like the routing set up and, and you know, all that busing is, is ready to go. And that, that's just like, that's one way to just get up and running quickly. And then there's the other camp where it's like, your template has all of your plugins in there and pre-queued and blah, blah, blah. And like, and that's a very different extreme, right? Cause one of them, you're basically starting your mix from scratch, just some of the routings there. And the other is like, this mix is already processed and, and it's like, you're not working with those raw tracks anymore. So well, I, don't, I don't know if one is like, you know, wrong. I mean, there's incredible mix engineers that all they're doing every single day is, is mixing and they've got their methods and their procedures and it's working awesome for them. For me personally, you know, one day I'm tracking, the next day I'm mixing, the next day I'm editing, the next day I'm, you know, tracking again, the next, you know, it's like, I'm not, you know, some, sometimes I'll, I'll be in, 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 in the A room here and I'll be set up for three weeks mixing, you know, um, and I'll just be kind of, you know, I'll have like, you know, 10 songs, you know, on deck that I'm busting, you know, moving from one to the other on the board. So, yeah, I mean, you know, things can be a little more streamlined at that point, but I'm, I'm, you know, my role is different so often that I'm not like, I don't have like a, a procedure, like a set procedure that I follow every time, though the routing template when I'm going to mix is, is helpful. And I've, I've, you know, I've been using that for a little while now. So, yeah. Well, it's it's also different because like routing doesn't really affect the song as much as like, you know, plugins and all that kind of stuff would. So it's more like that that you're using your template as like a workflow thing as opposed to just like affecting the whole song. And and I guess that's the differences in, in those kind of two dif- different extremes of templates, right? Well, all these, you know, everybody's so different, you know, everybody has a different, you know, you're trying to deal with it in a u- unique manner, you know, um, just that's just the way I think of it. Um, so I mean, things are different now because you know it used to be, oh, this studio sounded this way with this producer's brain, with this engineer's skills. You know, now it's like everybody has Pro Tools, everybody can buy the same plugins, everybody can go to YouTube and look at really amazing instructional videos on how to set up their mixing templates, what this EQ does, you know, how to use it. Well, you know, and so there's all sorts of instruction now which is incredibly helpful. Um, at the same time, I do think that there's a uniqueness in the sound that I think has been watered down a little bit. Um, you know, um, just because, you know, like if you listen to an Al Green record, okay, that's going to have a certain sound because of where it was done. You know, the recording, the, the, the studio was done in as, as opposed to like, you know, if you listen to, 
you know, like uh, a James Taylor record, you know, and where that was done or like a, like a typical seventies, New York recording, you know, in a tight studio, except for the power station, which was huge. But, but like, you know, typically there'll be a lot of tight studio spaces and, you know, Chicago had a sound, you know, chess records and so on and so forth. So there was like very unique sounds or like where Rush did the records and, 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 Canada, right? That that lay studio or whatever, that was the sound there, you know, on those records. It's incredible. Um, and so you could kind of associate that band, that sound with a unique setup. Then times change and technology changes, and which makes life in- incredibly easier in a lot of ways. And um, and I just think that, you know, trying to stay, maybe that's why I'm just still like really stuck on the console because I don't want to just be in the box. I, some, some, I'm doing more things in the box now than I ever have, which is not a lot, maybe 10% of the things I'm doing. Um, but I, I'm just like, I'm just stuck in the mud on the board and I, I want to, I want to like take a little more time on it. That just works for me. You know, this, this is what like, you know, so. Yeah. It's interesting how you were saying that different cities kind of were known for their own sound. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that back in the day, there were only so many studios, like so many big studios that everyone was recording at. So arguably you could say that these days there's actually more of a sound because so many people are recording from their homes. So every, every room is going to sound different. But I think, but I think what's different about it is that so many people are using the exact same plugins and the same samples and all that kind of stuff. And that's where that like kind of sameness happens, you know? Yeah, you could, you could say that. Yeah, you could, you could say that. I just think there was, there were less, choices and so that that um dictated a certain approach you know um you know so it it just it is what it is and what's interesting what's interesting about this is all the you know a lot of producers and engineers are trying to get like have been into this capturing like a throwback sound like a a sound of 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 yesteryear you know now um so that's, you know, that's interesting too. Um, but it's, it's all, you know, to me, fashion, like production, the sonics of recordings, that's, it's like fashion. It just is constantly changing, you know, but the song is, is, is never like a great song is going to be a great song by a great artist, you know, with lyrics that, that mean something to people, you know, I think will always be fashion. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's again, it's, it all comes, this whole conversation has just come back to like the idea of like, really serving the song in every aspect. And I, I think that that's so important, you know, however, however you get there. Um, one thing that you've mentioned a couple times, and obviously I can see it on the video, you got this big SSL behind you. I know that you're, you're definitely a big analog guy. You love to mix in your SSL and, you know, on the topic of like templates and, and workflow and efficiencies and stuff like that, what is it about that SSL that has made you stay in that analog domain versus going entirely digital when there, when there are so many advantages in digital, I guess there's there's advantages for both, right? But wh- why have you decided to stay in that analog world? Man, it, for me, it, it, to my ear, for whatever it's worth, I just feel like the I feel like it's an infinitesimal sonic experience on the console. Um, in the box, I, I personally my in the box mixes are never as good. Maybe it's just because I haven't spent as much time on it. There's some guys that do in the box mixes that are incredible. Chad Blake, come on. It's amazing. Andrew Shep's amazing. You know, Dave Way, amazing. You know, um, there's there's inc- these incredible mixers that have honed in on this, and they are like ninjas uh, mixing in the box. You know, m- my attempts at it have been, 
you know, I just have, just haven't been happy. And I'm like, well, I spread it on the, on the board and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this is like, I feel like I've got the bottom end. I feel like I've, I've got this, this spatial experience that I was looking for. Um, it's tactile. I, I, I feel like things moving, you know, whereas in the box for me feels a little to, for me personally, when I'm doing it, feel like a little papery, you know, like paper thin. Whereas the, with the console, it feels like, like, feels like earthier, you know, like there's more, uh, weight to it, to my ear and to, to, you know, for, for me, you know? So, so yeah, I just kind of, I'm st- stuck in this, you know, one, one of these days, this is, this SSL computer is going to tap out. It's going to happen, <laughs> you know, or I'm not gonna be able to find any more 3.5 inch floppy disks, you know? Um, in which case there's a company out of Canada that makes these, um, uh, um, automation, uh, like a, a replacement for the automation. It's called Tangerine, the Tangerine system. Have you heard? I, I've heard of it, but yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I've checked into it, but I mean, it's pricey, you know, and it's like, so I'm gonna, you know, I've, I've thought about going there. There's a couple guys down in Nashville that have that and different studios, um, that have replaced, you know, on this, you know, like on this, uh, E series console, replaced that automation with this Tangerine system. And, um, so, I mean, I've thought about that and, you know, that, that could happen down the road. It would, it would actually be really cool because I could write automation in Pro Tools and it would, you know, come up post-fader here, um, just like ECA automation so that, you know, because there's no, there's no point in writing automation in Pro Tools and then just hitting an outboard compressor harder. You know, it's not going <laughs> to, I mean, unless that's what you want to do, but that's just what's going to happen. You write automation in Pro Tools and you hit outboard compression and as an insert on the board or, you know, it just you just, you know, hitting the compressor harder. It's like, you know, so. Yeah, that's interesting. But I guess it all comes down to just like your workflow and whatever you know, right? Like for you, it's probably faster to mix on an SSL than it is to mix in in the box, right? I'm assuming. I'm not fast to begin with. So it's, to me, it's kind of, I'm, I'm not a fast mixer. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a slow mixer. How long would um, you say it takes you to finish a mix? Depends, you know, um, invariably what happens is I get it going, I get everything rolling, I get it, you know, it's sounding really good. I got a static mix and I'm like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to tighten up this guitar part. And I'm like editing again, <laughs> you know, I'm hearing things that I wasn't really focusing on earlier in the production. Um, or I want to reamp this now that I'm hearing it here. You know, there, there's like things that, that throw me off my track. Um, and I just, I just, I just am at peace with that now. It's just, it is what it is. You know, that's just how I do it. I kind of, I'm in the heat of the moment, you know, and I kind of work that way just from my gut. And I'm just, I don't have a method. It's not like a, you know, putting widgets together. I'm just, I'm jumping from one thing to the other. I'm getting a feeling on this. Okay. The bottom end feels good here. This isn't clear. I need to deal with that. You know, this sounds muddy. I need to deal with that. Um, you know, you know, the, this, you know, the, this is not matching where the vocal is. I want to, you know, mess around with that. That's just, that's just how I do it. You know, I just kind of, I bounce around. So it, it, maybe it takes me a little longer. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I know even before we started, you were talking about how you're working on a mix now and you have to recall it for another session that's coming in later on. So it's like, yeah, like, like we have a full band coming in, um, you know, uh, you know, with horns and rhythm section, you know, acoustic piano, blah, blah, blah. The whole studio is going to be filled with musicians, you know, Sunday, all day, Sunday, all day, Monday. And, you know, I'm tied up this weekend anyway, so I, I couldn't work anyway. But, um, so on Tuesday, yeah, we'll just have to, we'll strike that whole tracking session and, you know, recall the console. 
So we make copious notes and we put it back together. It's not incredibly involved, but it's it, it'll take you know a half an hour or so to get it back up. You know, it comes back up like almost perfect. You know, if as long as it's documented correctly. No, oh, it's like that's you the can, biggest thing. I'll play the, I'll be in mix mode and I'll I'll hit play on the mix. You know, the live mix off the computer off the console and compare it to my like my last mix that I had and. Most of the time, it's just you can't tell the difference. They're like exact, so it's 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 possible to get it right back there. But but it does move, you know. This this thing is, you know, it's 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 got its moods, you know. Like one channel will like be noisy or something. I have to deal with that, and it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a living, breathing organism, you know. For sure. So. Now, I, I, the reason I ask that is just because I imagine that there's. You know, I think we, I think we all have some sort of workflow to some degree of like, you know, how we like to set up things, and and I feel like having that, um, having that thought in the back of your mind that you might have to recall something later on, or that you're like a little more limited before you have to, uh, before you have to like, you know, just um, start from scratch again and clear out the board and all that stuff. You know, I, th- I think that that would probably in some ways maybe force you to make decisions quicker because you're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to recall this later, or maybe maybe that doesn't matter to you, like. No, I think you're right. I mean, I was here till one in the morning last night, but you know, I ended up having like a, a like a technical problem that I was chasing down for like two hours that frustrated the the crap out of me. Um, but you know, uh, but yeah. So today I, I feel the pressure to like get this to a certain place, and so that when I come back on Tuesday, I'm like I'm making like little tiny adjustments, and then you know we're kind of done. So um, I mean, obviously I'm going to send it to the to the artist and. Um, they're going to have notes and then I'll make some changes, you know, but, you know, I always explain to the people I'm working with, I'm like, okay, I'm mixing these on the, on the console. So when I send you the mix, try to check it out and get back to me because it's, it's not like, you know, I'm not opening and closing pro tools on my laptop, you know, where I can do that endlessly for the next, you know, six months. Like we need to make some decisions and, and, you know, it's, it's never been a problem. It's people like, yeah, you know, well, I'll check it out and then we make the, 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 the notes and we move on, you know? So it is kind of nice. So when you're done, you kind of feel like you're done. Yeah, that, that's with, a good point. And I, and I also think yeah. that the notes that you would get back, maybe I'm wrong, but like I would assume that people aren't getting so micro with their their notes because you know it's they know that it's going to take time to to re- bring up the board again and all that stuff. So it's more like kind of serving the song again, the, the theme of this episode. I think you know it's just like from the big picture, like those big picture moves. What are those? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are getting very like particular with certain things but it, i mean just depends on who i'm working with but most of the people like where, where i'm producing they they're hearing the vision of the song in the production so the mix it just kind of comes to life in the mix um so the mix just kind of, kind of just like puts everything in focus and clarifies where things are living and and um you know dyna- you know like global dyna- you know there's global dyna- dynamics will exist now between say the verses and the choruses and um you know, um, so I think that the, the notes, you know, I'll get notes like, you know, oh, I'm uh, like this S got cut off the end of this vocal. I'll be like, yeah, it did. I did that by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Good ears. <laughs> I'll put it back. Um, you know, or I, or I, or, you know, I, I DS is too hard, you know, like, like here, you know, like I, I like to go in manually in DS as opposed to relying on a DSer. So sometimes I kind of over, you know, overshoot it because i'm like well this is going to get hit like you know two or three times with compressors you know after this so i'm assuming i'm assuming you use like melodyne or something like that for that or are you just literally like fading things yeah 
Mel and I for like 20 years. I mean, to me, that's like, it's so, such a great, it's so convenient. I mean, I mean, obviously you can intonate, you know, you you got, you know, 50 background vocals, you know, you're going to intonate them, you know, you can tighten things up, you know, um, but, but for the, to me, Melodyne where really, I mean, intonation end of it is, is great. Um, cause I don't want, I don't want things to sound auto tune. That's not what I'm going for. I want things to sound very natural. Um, but if I have to intonate a, you know, a great vocal performance and somebody's five cents, you know, 10 cents sharp or 10 cents flat and it's, it's bugging me and it's bugging them. I mean, I'm, I have no moral issue with intonating them in Melodyne, but where Melodyne really shines for me is all of the, um, the dynamic, um, control I can, you know, put on the vocal before I ever hit a compressor with it. So I'm not really using the compressor for dynamic control. It's more like, you know, like, like putting it into a certain, giving it a certain feeling, you know, a certain, um, sonic touch, you know, where as opposed to clamping down on this, like, I don't, I don't feel like I want to clamp down with the compressor on the vocal to tighten it up. I'd rather do that you know, with editing and have that be kind of smooth to begin with. And then, so there, there, therefore I will do a lot of DSing like within Melodyne, but it does some weird stuff to some of the S's, which I'm sure you've noticed, you know, sometimes you got to replace it with the natural S or, 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 or plosive that was there before. Yeah. Sometimes it's algorithm reads things weird and you have to kind of reprocess it a bunch or do things manually. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's such a powerful tool and um, yeah, it's, I loved what you were saying about, just like talking about how to use it in ways that aren't just for tuning, you know. There, I think we th- we think of these tools as like vocal tuning software because that's the primary use, or that's what everyone talks about, right? But there's a lot of power under the hood of those things. Oh yeah, I mean, at, with clip gain now, you can kind of do the same thing, um, but but I'm just used to doing it in a Melodyne, and it's you know, you know, you can split notes, and you can, um, I mean, it just is. It's just how I'm used to doing it. I use clip gain too, though, for all sorts of things, but yeah. So, well, I know that, uh, you've got a mix that you got to get done, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So we could probably start to wrap up here, but, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about you online or follow you and, and learn more about the projects you're working on, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, there's, there's, there's www.transientsound.com. That's our website, though. It has not been updated in a number of years. That's, uh, something we feel terrible about. <laughs> um, you're too busy you can, making uh, records. That's why. <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, transient, you know, Instagram, transient sound, um, uh, or me personally at, uh, at transient man, um, Facebook, transient sound recording studio. Those, those tend to be more updated, um, with stuff. It's just easier to update those on the website. Um, and yeah, and there's, there's, there's a, you know, bios and stuff on, on, on all that stuff, I think. So, but yeah. Cool. And lastly, are there any cool projects that you're currently working on right now that you might be able to talk about? Well, I well I just finished doing the last Naked Raygun record, which which just came out like, jeez, uh, like a month ago, and that's called Over the Overlords, and that that um is our first record in 30 years. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah, but they but like for instance, you know they they just they're so hugely influential, and I've been working with them pretty much exclusively for, uh, I mean they've done all the recordings with me since we, since I built trans, since we built transient sound. Um, and that, that they're just, to me, those guys are just incredible human beings and their music is like influenced so many bands. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, Dave Grohl, um, 
interviewed them on Sonic Highways, interviewed Jeff Pizzotti, the singer, and that was Naked Reagan was Dave Grohl's first show that he ever went to in Chicago at the fair. And, uh, and that's what, that's the band that he saw that made him want to become a musician. So every chance he gets, he's, he's, uh, endorsing Naked Raygun. So their, their new record is pretty cool. It's very, um, um, it's, it's atypical is what I can, is, is what I can say, but it's, it's, there's very classic, um, uh, songs and, and things that you would expect from them within there. So there's that, um, uh, right now I'm working on uh, this singer-songwriter Mike Mio. Um, he's got a bunch of so- songs that are coming out that are going to be really good. Um, it's just a whole mix of stuff. I just did a classical record with this uh, Canadian composer, Guy France, G-I-F-R-A-N-T-S. That came out not too long ago. You can check that out. Totally classical. Awesome. <laughs> Live. Yeah. Um, acoustic. So, um yeah, that's kind of a mix of stuff that's going on right now. That's wicked. Awesome. Well, I'll have to check out all of those. Yeah. Great, man. Well, well, Stephen, thank you so much for, again for taking the time to to do this chat today. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of great advice in here, and I think a lot of people will take a lot of this stuff and and uh, you know if if they're implementing it into their mixes, I think they're going to get much better songs as a result as a result of it. So so thank you for for sharing all that. Oh man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So that was my interview with Stephen Gillis, and it was a great conversation. I love what he had to say, and I love hearing his process. I thought it was really cool once he started talking about reamping, how he likes to approach that. And I like the idea of trying to get more organic sounds rather than rely on plugins. And so it was cool to hear how he likes to reamp drums, reamp vocals. Those are things that not too many people actually do. So it's a pretty cool trick to try. And I think it's something that makes the process of engineering even more fun, right? Uh, You know, you can have fun playing with all the tools, you know, playing with the different rooms. And ultimately, it's going to get you a really nice organic sound rather than relying on a lot of plugins, which most people typically do. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. And if you did, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you're notified of all new episodes as they go live on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, if you haven't yet done so, definitely make sure to check out MasterYourMix.com. That's where I help musicians with home studios create professional pro sounding recordings from their homes and on that website i've got tons of great resources designed to help you out understanding the recording editing and mixing process and if you haven't yet checked it out definitely make sure to check out the mixing mindset book that is a book that i put out a few years ago it's an amazon number one bestseller and in that book i walk you through a step-by-step process for mixing your tracks so that you know exactly what to pay attention to what order you should work in what to be listening for and how to ultimately get the best results for your tracks. So definitely check that out. You can find it at MasterYourMix.com. All right, that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that, and we'll talk soon. All right, have a good one. Later. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.